better than that, does it? Let me get rid of my gum. My wife will have me for that. Oh, hallelujah. So, uh, so man, what a joy it is to see folks take that step of obedience and baptism. I just want to challenge you if you've never taken that step before. Uh, it is one of the most important next steps here at Gateway. We talk about uh, taking that step in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're more than welcome to come let one of the pastors know. Uh, grab another saint and let him know that, hey, man, I want to I wanna dedicate my life to, to Christ. And, and then water baptism is always that next natural step. And the reason why is because Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water and uh, to follow him by his example. He was baptized in water. And if we remember that story, John the Baptist, uh, when Jesus showed up, um, John said to him, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now, that the prophecies might be fulfilled. The prophetic word was that it, Jesus would, would go in baptism the same as he has come and commanded us to do. John baptizes him and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And I believe that that, that that baptism, when you think of it, that outward profession of an inward faith, that we're not just given mental assent, but we're given outward action to what we say we believe. And if, if children can do it, saints, come on. If children can do it, then how much more should we be able to stand up for our faith, to proclaim the goodness of God in our life? Amen? Uh, so let's, let's be a people that, that don't just enjoy the blessings of God, but a people that share the blessings of God. Amen? And on that note, in our series, Vision, uh, Our Future Reality. Vision, our future reality. Vision is our future reality, what it can be, the possibilities of our future. And today, on that note, I want to share about prosperity. Now, I don't talk a lot about prosperity, and, and it, I refer to it, but I don't do a lot of sermons that specifically have that title uh, and a lot, of, a lot of preachers that want to be balanced um, become very concerned when they talk about prosperity, they talk about money, they talk about possessions. And part of the reason is, is, is the, the same in any profession. If you run into a bad mechanic, Jay, that, you know, Jay right here, he owns a mechanic shop and a body shop, and uh, he's our worship pastor, and uh, uh, does, does a great job at all of those things, right? But Jay, I'm sure you've had a lot of people walk into your business and uh, have, have mistrust. Isn't that correct? Um, anybody ever have a bad mechanic? <laughs> Promise you that, that everything's going to function well and the next thing you know it's like things are falling apart. Um, and while some of those things may be beyond their control, the reality is, is that, that uh, there are bad eggs out there in any profession. Can you say amen? And all I know is that, that in, in the last 20 or so years, um, I would say 30, um, there was a time where what, what was known as uh, the prosperity gospel started to circulate. Anybody ever heard of it? Anybody ever come across one of those stations and the preacher's promising you the world if you only send in this much money? You mean amen if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. So what it does is it puts a lot of preachers that, you know, are pastors that want to be balanced, uh, puts them on their heels concerning communicating about the subject because people might run to that impression of it. You know, we kind of use the term, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch, right, or the lot. And so, um, so in that, um, I would be a bad preacher, though, to hold back from preaching on this subject 
since Jesus spent a third, a third of Jesus' communication was about our money and possessions. Did you know that? One third of what Jesus communicated was about our money or our possessions. When he's talking about prosperity, he's talking about how we're to walk in prosperity and the way we're to honor God with our prosperity um, and, and live, uh, enjoy life that God wants us to have, but at the same time, um, challenging those areas of greed, challenging those areas where one would think that it was uh, themselves that, that made, them, made yourself wealthy, if you will. Uh, it's not us that makes ourselves wealthy. It's God that bestows all upon us. It's like, but I go to work, I do my job, and, and my employer pays me. You know, everything that you have all around you in this earth, because the word of God proclaims this, that the, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so in that, everything belongs to God. It's being stewarded by us. And one day we'll give an account to God on how we stewarded his possessions that were entrusted to us. Amen? And so with that, I want to read to you out of uh, 3 John 1 and 2. And it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. How many of you want that? Huh? How many of you want that? I want that for my life. Just as your soul prospers. Now in this series, I've talked a good bit about um, our mind and our emotions, the way we think. And the way we feel asserts our will. We tend to do what we think and what we feel. If I think a certain way about something, you know, I'm going to follow the way I think about that. If I feel a certain way about something, I'm going to follow that. If I feel a certain way, but I know that another way is better, oftentimes the way I feel wins out. Amen? How many of you agree emotions are pretty strong? Right? And giving you an example, how many of you overspent for Christmas? Raise your hand. Now, you know that if you lie in church, it's not a healthy thing. <laughs> let, me throw you, let me throw it at you this way and see how it goes. Uh, how many of you overspent for Christmas? Let's ask it this way then. How many of you were faithful to God in the tithe through Christmas? You, you don't mean to step on your toes, but the point is, you didn't need to raise your hands for that and make everybody feel guilty around you. <laughs> I guess I didn't, didn't set that up right. The point is, is that anytime you're doing something with what you have and you don't honor God's commands and you don't honor God's, uh, let me say this way, in, in many ways, the request of God. You know, it's an interesting thing to think of the eternal creator requesting that we do something a certain way. Now, Malachi 3, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, Right? that there might be meat in my house, that there's provision, right, in the house of the Lord. Not the physical house, the spiritual house that he's building with us, right? Bring all the tithe in the storehouse, and then watch, and then test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't pour out so much blessing, say blessing, say prosperity, say increase. See if I won't pour out so much blessing that you're not able to retain it. You can't keep it all to yourself. You're just going to have to share it. Does that make sense to you? God invites us to connect with him that way. And any time that we could look, uh, if we could say, look at our month, look at our year, and say, did I honor God as much as I honored myself? Did I honor God as much as I honored my children? Did I honor God as much as I honored my car or my house or all the other possessions I have? 
How much did I invest in it versus in the kingdom of God? Can you give me an amen? And I know some of that may hurt, but I want you to know it is for your good. Listen to this. See, I'm not talking about the kind of prosperity that's a, a name it, claim it, frame it. You ever heard of that term? Right? That if I, if I name it, you know, like there was a, back in the, the big push of the quote-unquote prosperity gospel, for some reason everybody wanted a Cadillac, I, you know, because preacher, I don't like a Cadillac. Anybody in here? No, I just don't like the Cadillac, right? But, but what it comes down to is there's preachers, and it was all about the Cadillac or, or whatever it be, and it was like, you know, people would literally walk around Cadillacs, and, and the confession of their faith was, uh, this Cadillac is mine, this Cadillac. Now, they don't have the money for it, and walk around, this Cadillac is mine, this Cadillac is mine, this Cadillac is mine, and all of a sudden, they're just going to be bestowed and have this Cadillac, right? I want to say, you know, that many people came into those kind of possessions because that was their vision. But was it God's vision for them? In other words, if the possessions became the focus rather than the, the, the one who provides, the possession rather than the one who provides, let me say that it's heresy, it's false teaching. Anytime uh, we have blessing, things that are brought into our life that doesn't turn our attention to God, we might be concerned in our life about having a little bit of idolatry going on, idol worship. We're never meant to lift things possessions, money above God. I know I say it all the time, but I do for a reason. Jesus said it. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll love the one and you'll hate the other. The moment that the conversation comes up about honoring God with the tithe or honoring God and making that the focus, what happens is, is, is you feel uneasy rather than feeling uneasy about you know, honoring possessions or looking to have more and more and more without honoring God. Can you say amen? So, so this prosperity I'm talking about, while it's meant to um, be a blessing in your life, is not something that should ever be done through manipulation. You know, it's not like you're manipulating God or God's manipulating you. It's not the preacher. I'm, you know, I think, did they take the offering up today? So, so I want you to rest assured in this as I talk about money right now. We're not going to take an offering up at the end. Now, see, a, a lot of preachers go that way with it. It's one thing to share principles, but when I share a message as strong as I'm sharing today, I, I want to say to you, I'm not taking an offering up at the end because you might feel guilty and actually give something. God wants you to be a cheerful giver, and he wants you to give, give willingly. He doesn't want you to do it out of compulsion and out of necessity. That Oh, man, we gotta, the electrics is going, the electric's going to be shut off here. You got to give, or we're not going to be able to, right, out of necessity. It's easy to get people to give out of necessity. If I said to you, hey, guys, we won't be able to be open next week for church unless we raise, you know, at least $3,000. And I know there's two people in here that can give 1000 each, and then the rest of you could probably go. How many of you would start to be like, oh, gosh, I wouldn't want the church to close? Give me an amen if I'm, I'm speaking right here. And, and some of that stuff goes on in the church world. And so pastors do, who want to be in balance and don't want people, it's not about money. Number one reason why people don't go to church is because the church just wants their money. That's what they think. The church just wants their money. So I don't want to make it about that from the standpoint of asking you to give so that we can function. I want to teach you to give because it's the way God set up his blessing to flow into your life. And think about it. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse Yes, that there may be meat, right? 
but it's not referring to the electric bill as much as it's referring to the spiritual, right, meat of the church. That there's, there's provision with regard, the church is a spiritual house and it's going to have provision. Do you all like worship with instruments? Do you like the sound to be decent? Right? I know we don't, you want smoke? We can get some smoke in here. I know that's the big thing, right? It's not my big thing. I, you know, I get it. And you know what? Fine. I don't care. You know, if, if, if they want to do smoke, they can do smoke. The thing is, all that stuff, lights, everything costs money, right? And so to build that and establish it, it's the faithful giving of the church that does that. Amen? So as I promised, I won't do an offering at the end. But next week, if you'd like to come back with a big offering, that'd be great. <laughs> like one church... Uh, they were at a point, they, they really needed some funds, and, and what they did is they, they said, you know, for every person, how many of you like to, to, how many of you'd like to pick some of the worship songs we do? Raise your hand if like, man, I'd like us to do certain songs we don't do. Raise your hand. No, seriously, no, no guilt, just raise your hand if you're like, man, I'd like to pick some of our songs. Keep them up, keep them up. All right, so here's what happens. You can pick a song if you bring $1,000 next week. <laughs> One church did that. Because the, the, the church music was going a little more contemporary and some of the older folks liked hymns. And, and the older folks kind of are the ones that had money. Young people don't have a lot of money. Now God's fair in the midst of that because here's the deal. If you make $1,000 a month, the tithe is $100. If you make 10000 the tithe is, can you tell me? Anybody good at math? It's 1000 He's fair, right? Well, this little old blue-haired lady comes back the next Sunday with her $1,000 in hand ready to go. Straight to the altar she goes, there was, a, there was a, a offering bucket. She comes up, she drops the $1,000, and the pastor says, well, you know what, uh, you're the first one, uh, which three hymns would you like? And she turned around and she went, I like him and him and him. <laughs> Is it okay to laugh in the church? Amen, nope, that's not the prosperity I'm talking about, folks. <laughs> That would not go over well in the church. <laughs> Let me give you the prosperity I'm talking about. Prosper, the Hebrew word. It's a lock. To push forward, break out, be profitable. To push forward, break out, be profitable. To, to have the grace of God behind you, pushing you forward, right? Allowing you to break out, right? And to be prosperous, in your marriage, in your family, in your job, right? In your friendships, in every area of your life, to think of God's grace pushing you forward, right? You think about Christ, right? He, he's in heaven. He didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He, he's the son of God, but he's God in flesh, right? He comes from heaven to earth, humbles himself, comes to the lowest point, even, even to that point of being a servant and going to the cross. Going to the cross that he could take the sins of all of us and the rest of the world upon himself. Take all those sins. Of, in other words, be impoverished. Right? He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He was rich, but he became what? Poor. See, the poverty was this. We were impoverished that we had no relationship with God, separated eternally from God. Can't get to God. Not enough works you can do to get close to God. It is only, it's going to take 
blood sacrifice. He's going to take the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us to come back to the Father. But for us to receive that richness that the Bible's talking about, Jesus is going to have to become poor. And his moment of poverty, defined by kingdom richness, kingdom prosperity, is this. My Father, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Separated from God so that we could be reconciled to God. Now, we know that, that, that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. He knew he was going to be raised from the dead, right? But you're talking about the fact he had never been saved. He had never been impoverished. He was rich. He was rich in relationship with his father. Never been separated and never knew what poverty was. But was willing to become impoverished so that we could be rich. Amen? Pushed forward. Break out. Be profitable. See, our vision, our future reality of prosperity is a biblical prosperity. It's not a worldly prosperity. It's a biblical prosperity, meaning having more than you need so you can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Having more than you need so that you can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Amen? Let me give you three things here under that. God blesses us to be a blessing. Cliche, I know, but ultimately what it comes down to, there's a reason why it's cliche. It's true. It's stuck around for a long, long time, amen? All the way back to this, Genesis 12, 2. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. Recognize that. God wants to bless you, but he wants you to turn and be a blessing to others. The second thing, when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. Luke 18, 29 through 30 I guarantee this, say guarantee, I guarantee this, anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will certainly receive many times more in this life and will receive eternal life in the next world to come. Do you see that there? So often when we give, would you bring me my bottle of water? So often when we give, there can be that, well, one day in heaven, I'm going to receive my reward, right? That's not what this scripture is teaching us. It's telling us that God's going to take care of our needs here and that he's also going to bless us with an eternal reward, right? See, when we get into heaven, are you going to have any needs in heaven? So that's why it's so important to recognize that this scripture is teaching you, in this earth, you have needs. And if you have needs, God's concerned about meeting your needs, but he wants to meet the needs of a people that's willing, right, to be vessels to meet the, meet the needs of others, to follow him in that example, to be like him in our character, to be like him in, our, in the way that we care about other people. You know, I, I can't think of any worse testimony than to be a church that doesn't care about people. Amen? I just saw, I just saw a pastor resigned his pastor. He's a great pastor. I've read his books. We, he spoke at one of our conferences. Um, and, and just an amazing communicator. Uh, he just resigned his pastorate. There's a lot of people have been in a lawsuit, wasn't treating people very good. And as a result of that, was sued by a staff member. How many of you ever heard of a hostile work environment? Right? Well, he was creating a hostile work environment and got sued, and then they're countersuing. And then through all of that, uh, what ends up happening is, is that it plays out, and, and what's revealed is, is he's not been too nice to people. 
Can you think of any worse testimony for a church than mistreating people? Has anybody in here ever been mistreated by the church, right? Uh, let me, let me um, also lay out there. How many of you uh, get along all the time in your family? Raise your hand if I'm just looking. We need great examples, right? Anybody ever get along all the time and never fight? Your kids do everything you ask them to do. <laughs> no, none of us. So just, so just so you know that the dysfunction that you have going on in your life, when we come together and we meet as a church, uh, it doesn't all of a sudden disappear. You know, those corks, those flaws that we have in our individual lives, once we come together as a whole, those things tend to kind of uh, have a way of magnifying, right? That's why the message is so important. That's why the vision is so important. To continually keep that ahead of us, to say, what's our next step? To take that next step. The first step is relationship with Jesus. Because he's the only one that ever set the example of perfection. He's the only one that's ever laid his life down to the degree that he was able to extend an invitation to all mankind that they might come and be reconciled, have relationship with the Heavenly Father. What's, what's comforting is this. While Jesus was perfect and lived his life that way, the closest ones to him, you know, his tight family unit, guess what? They weren't perfect. Anybody ever read about the disciples? Peter, right? Peter was a loudmouth. He just knew everything, right? He knew everything so well that, that at one point he, he decides he's going to instruct Jesus on how his life's going to go. Come on now. Uh, he wasn't just a loudmouth. He was an arrogant loudmouth, a know-it-all. And so Peter starts instructing Jesus about you're not going to the cross. That's, that's not really what you should be doing. You know, and he, he, again, paraphrasing, he's, he's lecturing Jesus on the cross is not his destiny when all the prophecies that had come said that it was. And, of course, Jesus, you know, he has a wonderful um, statement to Peter. It was really a rebuke. And he calls him a name. You all ever name call in your families? Anybody ever call a family member Satan? Or the Antichrist or something like that? That's what Jesus did. He turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. Jesus was trying to keep his heart set on God's direction you don't think Jesus struggled in his flesh. The Bible says he was tempted. Oh, when I think of that, he was tempted in every way that we are, but yet without sin, right? If it doesn't immediately lock you in on the fact that we are tempted and, and not without sin, and that is the very reason that Jesus had to come and be tempted without sin. The, he, he, look, we don't have an uncompassionate. We have a compassionate high priest, and the reason why we do is because he was tempted just like we are. But what makes him our high priest is the fact that it was without sin. And what he does is he goes in and makes a way for us. What Peter was doing was trying to talk him out. Think about it this way. If Peter would have had his way in that conversation, you and I would not be saved today. You get me? It's important for all of us to recognize that when we come together, we bring our stuff with us. And when we bring our stuff with us, what happens is, is it can become the hindrance to God's blessing, his prosperity in our life as, as a people of God that gather together. For what reason? Because going around the room, you and you, when I say you and you, I'm actually trying to speak to everybody. 
and you, 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 and on, and you, and you, and you, and you. Trying to get that icon. And you, 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 whoop, and you, and you, and you. Now, silly as that may be what I just did, you won't forget what I'm about to say, that the gifts that you have, God's ability to use you according to what Christ has called you to is the blessing for someone else sitting in this room. And as this congregation is blessed, what happens for the community that lies beyond these four walls is that blessing is carried by God's people wherever blessing is needed. Can you say amen? So, when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. And it's not just that he says it, he guarantees what he's saying. Third, the more God blesses us, the more he expects us to bless others. The more he blesses us, the more he expects for us to bless others. Listen to Luke 12, 48. Much is required from those whom much is given, for their responsibility is greater. And you start to, if you ever start to sit down and think about all the wonderful things God has done in your life, here's the thing. There is somebody else out there that needs a testimony, that needs a witness of what the amazing things God's done for you. I'll just say it this way. I don't know how many thousands there are in Colorado Springs. When you think about how unique your testimony is and what God's done in your life, just let me tell you this. It's not that unique. Maybe you're on the verge of divorce. Maybe you're in a broken relationship. Uh, maybe, maybe you feel like you know, financially you're struggling and you just can't quite climb out of where you're at. The reality is, is there's somebody out there that as you give God the opportunity to work in your life and to bless you, that those, those moments where he's been there for you and you know without a shadow of a doubt and you glorify his name for it, somehow, some way, God will put somebody in your path that needs to hear that testimony you have that it might give them encouragement, might lift them up, as the Bible says, out of the miry clay of this life, the things that weigh them down when Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I've been in those places in my life at times where I need rest. And all I know is when someone else comes along and they speak that encouraging word, it's interesting how I am infused with an energy that's beyond my own ability. Amen? Are you all with me today? Is that too serious? Mm. So write this down. It's not in your notes. It won't be on the overhead. Struck me this morning after I was done with all of it. Telling you about different messages that's been out there about prosperity and how it can be on the, focused on the stuff rather than the, you know, the provider of all those things. Um, true prosperity is healthy increase. True prosperity is healthy increase. You know, have you ever heard of people who, who win the lottery? What happens to them years later? Not so many years later, what happens? They're broke. How is that possible? Somebody can win $50 million and years later they're broke. Why? Because it was unhealthy increase. They didn't, in other words, you know, the, 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 the measure of our character where we are right now, right, is going to be the same character we have when we have that increase. So, so moments might come, because this is what I believe, that rains on the just and the unjust. I believe that God pours out his blessing. I believe that he's good and his grace flows 
to, to all people, if you will. That's why Jesus died on the cross for all mankind, and it wasn't something that we have to chalk up and earn our way to receive from God. It's there. It's waiting. I, I told you out of Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, um, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. King James Version intended end. I've told you that the word study on that a hundred times here, I've probably said that. Some of you may have or may not have heard it, but that, that word intended end, one of the word study, what it reveals is the, the word procrastinate. God's promises are waiting on you to align with his will, and when you align with his will, his blessings come pouring out. Did anybody in here receive salvation without professing Jesus Christ as Lord? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, blessings coming right after that confession, and it's called you shall be saved. Salvation follows your faith in the work that Christ did on the cross an understanding that your works would never earn you the place that Christ has bestowed upon you. Can you say amen? amen? And so prosperity is healthy increase. So my vision to prosper becomes a reality through the following. My obedience and God's grace. My obedience and God's grace. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 puts it this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person, say that person, it's that person that is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, say whatever they do, Whatever, whatever they do will prosper. It prospers. So let me give you five things here that has to do with your obedience. Because there's no concern about God. God's, he's waiting to be a blessing in our life. The question comes to, where's our, are we aligned with him? Are we in his will? Again, remember, listen, look up here. I always want to make sure you understand when I start talking about obedience and the things that we need to do, Faith in Jesus Christ gets you salvation. You're not going to earn your status of salvation. Are we on the same page? But experiencing his blessing. In other words, I believe in him. I'm saved. I'm following Jesus. Are we following Jesus? Because it's not like I say he's my savior and I'm going to go where he wants me to go. Right? And then instead I, I go the other direction. If he's my savior, I want to follow him. I want to become like him. Right? I, I want to look like Jesus when people interact with me. I want to care. I want to love people. I want to share the blessing that God has given me. Here they are. Ready? My obedience and God's grace, the future reality, my prosperity comes as I put God first. Comes as I put God first. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I get that we're not farmers for the most part in here. I get that most of us aren't manning vineyards or we don't own vineyards. But we all have some way that there's increase in our life. And that's where this scripture comes to play that do I honor God with the first fruits? Do I see, do I see it as I'm the one that made this happen for me? Or do I see it that God is the one that made it possible for me to be where I'm at? Because the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
Now, if we believe that, that everything is his, that makes us stewards, not owners. Now, I get in the, the principle, I own my home or I own my car or whatever. What I'm saying is, is everything we have in possession is something that God has blessed us with and therefore makes us stewards under him. And one day we must give an account, so put him first. Number two, as I maintain my integrity. As I maintain my integrity. Psalm 84 and 11 For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, this is again always where there's a challenge. How many are blameless? (laughs) I'm not either. But the beauty of of the grace of God through Jesus Christ is this. Where we fall short, it's kind of like where the gap is for us. Jesus fills that gap. He doesn't, see, grace, grace doesn't fill the gap so we can stay where we are, right? Grace fills the gap so that we can go where he is. And Jesus, I mean, he's always higher. There's more of God, right, than I've ever experienced. There, there's a knowledge of God that I, I could not ever, as much as I strive for it, I will never, ever come to attain the full knowledge of God. It's only when I get to heaven will I know as I am known. God knows everything about it. Do you know there's nothing hidden in your life from God? He knows everything about you. Every single thing. Now everybody on the count of three. One, two, three, big gulp. <laughs> he knows everything about you. We're trying to know everything we can about God, right? And one day we'll know as we are known. But until that point, I want to strive to know and understand him. And the thing that's going to keep me on, on track with that is my integrity. If I ever get to a place of where I, I think that I can attain that on my own and not have a relationship with God and seek him and need his grace to fill the gaps, then I, I'm a liar. You with me here? Right? Uh, what was it John said? Uh, he who says he has no sin is a what? A liar. And the love of God isn't in him. It's not in him. We need to have the love of God in us. We need to understand how much he, he does to fill the voids that we have in our life. But never take for granted that he fills those voids. Always strive to be more and more like Christ. Amen? My obedience and God's grace. So my obedience, number three, as I give intentionally. As I give intentionally. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I would say this, anybody that, that finds themselves um, recognizing, you know, giving to the Lord, that as you give, God brings back into your life. And anybody that finds themselves in that place, um, you know, if you, if you ever bless somebody, have you, have you noticed how they then in turn are grateful? That's what Paul's speaking to here. It, it's, when, when you help someone else, remember what Jesus said. He said, when you've done it under the least of these, you've done it unto me. Isn't that right? And watch this. It's kind of like, well, so all this is about money? <laughs> let, me, let me take you how Jesus really brings that. It's like, I really don't have much to, even if you give a cup of cold water. 
Would any of us be without excuse to help somebody else? When, when Jesus, he sets the standard, he says, look, you know, be generous to others, you know. Uh, and even when you give a cup of cold water in my name to somebody, you've done it unto me. Could anybody reach that level? We all could, isn't that right? So, so a, a few, couple weeks ago, I talked about, um, you know, the thing that keeps us from doing what we know we need to do right? Excuses. We tend to make excuses. Don't make excuses. There's no reason for any of us to ever stand before God and not have been used by him to minister to someone else's life. Can you say amen? Number four, as I give generously, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will uh, be measured back to you. So, so think again, as I said out of Malachi, um, God sets the standard and pretty much what he does is establishes that, that you think of the tithe, um, and I want to say uh, not of just what you have in, in a monetary sense, but I'm telling you of your time, your talents, right, your giftings, you know, ways that you can help other people. Um, I, I heard a story this week. It was kind of like interesting. Uh, it's about these two, I can't remember it was on the radio, and I came across it. I heard it, and it was kind of like, okay, that's weird. And um, what it was is there was a guy and a gal were dating, and, and they were out on a date, and, and, and all of a sudden this guy, you know, I guess on the street or whatever, but he, um, he starts choking and falls to the ground. He's choking. The guy's trying to revive him. You know, I guess he gets it dislodged. He's not breathing. Um, now they're on a date, their first date. And so this guy knows CPR. I mean, he's trying to save a guy's life, right? And so he bends down and he starts giving CPR to this person and, and saves his life. And then he never heard from this gal again, right? And he's trying to find her and somehow through this radio show, he finds her and, and what ends up happening is, is, so they talk to her first and she's telling the story and it's like, I mean, that guy could have had a disease. He looked like a bum. And she's going down this whole list of, you know, what if he gives me that disease? And, 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 and of course, they're like, I mean, he saved the guy's life. What if that was you? It's like, I get that, but I just can't deal with the fact, like, I mean, that guy just looked dirty and da-da-da. And she's going down that list. And uh, little did she know, the guy's on the other end of the phone. And he gets to listen in on everything. And then they bring him into the, to the conversation. Like, well, okay. So he's on the other line, actually. It's like, what? <laughs> and then he comes on. He's like, I can't believe that, you know? I, I mean, if you want me to, I'll go get tested, you know? And she's like, no, I just couldn't. It's just too gross for me. Now, think about that for a second, right? You saved somebody's life. Willing to help somebody else. And yet, you know, she is in that place of that's gross to her. You know, there was a pastor one time, he dressed up as a bum and he sat outside his church and people were walking by. Anybody ever see this? And he was actually pleasantly surprised. I believe that would be the way it would be with Gabe. I thought about doing it, but I thought, ah, uh, everybody's seen that video, they'd know what's going on. Like, Pastor Derek, is that you? Man, we really don't pay you very good, do we? <laughs> but the beauty of it is when the pastor started sharing stories, people bringing him coffee bringing him food, asking him if he needed anything, inviting him to come in. And I hope that would be the testimony of Gateway, 
Do we have that attitude that we are a generous people and that we look for opportunities to give? If you do, I promise you, you'll never be disappointed with how God comes back in your own life and is a blessing to you. Amen? Uh, And number five, as I stay dependent on God, as I stay dependent on God, 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I love that part of it, for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy what you earn, how hard you work, you know, to be where you are. He wants you to enjoy that without question. But never forget this, that for all that you can enjoy, don't forget to bring other people along with you in that enjoyment, amen? Look for people uh, that you can make, you know, that you could make their life better as well. And final thought, let God push you forward in prosperity as you push others forward in prosperity. Let God push you forward in prosperity as you push others forward in prosperity. Proverbs eleven twenty five. we see this principle very clearly. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Be a refreshing person. Be the kind of believer that knows that anything that I do to help somebody else, it's, and, and this, is, this is key, listen. If I reach out to help someone else, I don't need to be concerned about whether or not God's going to show up to help me. Amen? And you think about the life of Joseph. All that God had determined over Joseph's life he has the dream. His, his parents and his brothers and sisters are bowing before him. And in a sense, he sees that God is going to raise him to greatness. And his first place was what? To be rejected and betrayed by his brothers, people he loved. And he's thrown into the pit and sold as a slave. Right? You think about it this way. The Bible says that, that, that um, he was favored by his father, Right? And in being favored by his father, what happens is, is that it was by God's favor, God's grace, favor, grace. And father pushed him forward. He's got a coat of many colors. He's going out to check on his brothers, and his brothers are, you know, offended at him, especially when he tells them, tells them his dream that God gave him. So they sell him as the slave. So he's a slave now. But wouldn't you know it that even being a slave... Because Joseph's character, his integrity was intact to what God had determined for his life, that even as a slave, God pushed him forward. And he rose to the, you know, second to his master, Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife, you know, hits on him, tries to get him to sleep with her. He refuses. He saw it to be a sin in the sight of his master and in the sight of God, honoring God, right? Integrity intact. And in that, what happens? Uh, He's thrown into jail. I mean, this whole idea of God pushing you forward, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But make no mistake about it, God is at work in your life. Romans 8, 20, uh, Romans uh, 28, 8, I believe. God works all things together for good to those who love him, right? And are called according to his purposes. Joseph loved God. He maintained his integrity of relationship with God, right? And he had a calling and a purpose. And no matter where he found himself, God kept pushing him forward. And finally, he's in prison, and we know he gets elevated because he interprets dreams, which is coming from God, God's favor in his life. And what happens? God pushes him forward to second next to Pharaoh. 
and he ends up being and he ends up doing and being everything that God had showed him when he was just a young boy but he had to walk through a lot you might be walking through some things but I want you to know as long as you keep your trust in God continue to follow him keep yourself aligned with him be obedient to him I'm going to tell you there's nothing that's going to hold the blessing of God back he will prosper you just like he did Joseph he will bring those things that you've dreamed and hoped and that he's shown you to pass in your life would you stand to your feet with me this morning Heavenly Father we thank you I thank you for your people and Lord I pray this morning that, that as we Father, go home and we write our vision for our future reality where our prosperity is concerned. Father, we understand that it's okay for it to be monetary, but it needs to be around our, our, our talents. Father, it needs to be around our time. That our vision, Father, is not just a vision for how we can have increase, but we can have healthy increase in our life. And healthy increase in our life, Father, will always somehow have you in that equation. It will honor you. It will glorify you because, Father, we know you're the source of everything. This earth is yours, everything in it. And, Father, we ask that you would help us to follow you, be more like you, so that, Father, we can be entrusted as stewards to, uh, to care for even more of it. Lord, in the midst of doing that, may we see many people's lives touched by your love, your grace, your mercy. Father, the wisdom of, of, of your counsel, the counsel of your word. Father, they too might have a prosperous life. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, aloud, amen. Hey, let's sing this chorus as we go.